You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown, Las Vegas! We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back. It is Wednesday, October 5th. It is time for the Raider Nation mailbag edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We are here to read thy mail, starting with my partner in crime. That is Mr. Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, also Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com. You can follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. That's Mo Moten. I am Scott Goldbranson, your humble host. You can follow me at LV Gully, and we're going to jump right in because you had lots to say. The Raiders win a game, but still, Mo, it's really interesting. They win a game, but people still want to talk about what they're not doing. That's how it goes. Um, when you're <laughs> when you're now one in three, people are not satisfied with one win over the Denver Broncos. They want more, and I and you know what? I don't blame them because the expectations coming into the season were very high for the Raiders. Yeah, no question. Uh, we look at this again, and um, and 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 the the mail mostly around the Raiders, what they're doing, what they're not doing, and then a, a one that we're going to get to in the second segment, a question around the big showing of Broncos fans at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday, before mm-hmm. uh, two hours before the game started. This was the conversation, and mm-hmm. I have to tell you, it's like a pet peeve of mine. So we'll get to it later because we had a question from a listener in Vegas that we're going to get to, and I'm going to go off a little bit on it because it's just, it's crazy. But anyway, our buddy Chad Mixon down in Kentucky uh, writes in this time with the first question. Chad says, hey, uh, is there any insight to how this staff prepares for the weeks? It looks like Lombardi could do the game plan with Carr with a little input from the head coach during the week, but then McDaniels calls the plays um, without fear of any regard for the plan that they put in place. Do you have any thoughts on their process? Well, I, they've not talked about their process. They've not really given much insight into it. Mick Lombardi's spoken and he talks, he dances a little bit around it, but knowing that this staff mostly came from Belichick, uh, they're not going to tell you what they do to prepare for a game. 
But knowing what we saw against Denver versus what we saw the week before against Tennessee, what do you think? Is it, is it Josh McDaniels on his own devising this, or do we think perhaps maybe his staff had a little more influence uh, in this win against Denver? I'm not in the room, so I really can't speak on this definitively. So don't treat this as a report. But this is how it usually runs when you have a head coach who's also the lead play caller. He, as Chad, I think, mentioned the email, he has the final call. So Josh McDaniels makes the call on game days. But the week leading up to the game, Mick Lombardi and the other coaches more than likely have some input on how things are run. They're also watching film and looking at things and looking at the uh, weaknesses of the opponent. So they're all involved in the process. But Joshua Dance has the final call. And, and, and most people around the league have a feel for this. When you have an offensive coordinator who isn't calling the plays because the head coach is, usually the offensive coordinator is a glorified quarterback's coach. Right. So that was so that was Greg Olson under John Gruden until John Gruden had to resign. Greg Olson was probably involved in the game planning, but he was kind of the liaison, the communicator between Derek Carr and John Gruden. I think that's how John Gruden described that relationship, that Olson is the goal between between him and Carr. And I think this it's the same thing or a similar situation with Mick Lombardi between Carr and Josh McDaniels. That makes sense. And and I think too that it sometimes changed. My experience has been they might start out with one way, especially when you have a young coach like Mick Lombardi, who's not been an offensive coordinator before, where mm-hmm. he might have a diminished role at first. But then over time, if the coach believes because he yeah. might ha- he's got his ear, right? He's got Josh McDaniel's yep. ear and he and he says, OK, here's what we're doing. They sit in the room and they're doing the game plan. And Mick Lombardi says, hey, uh, coach, what about this instead of that? And McDaniels can say, okay, great. Yeah, that sounds good. We'll fi- we'll figure that out another time when we play, uh, I don't know, the Jaguars. Um, or mm-hmm. he might say, that's a good point. Maybe we put that in there. We'll put that in as option two, or he reads out of that. So, so I think that it does change over time as the coach gets familiar with his staff as well. But to your point, just like Gruden, just like McDaniels, when you're the head coach and you're calling plays, um, that glorified kind of quarterbacks coach is there uh, and and he's learning, right? So hopefully he, he flourishes into that and we can do that. But Josh, thanks again for your, for your, or chat, excuse me. Thanks again for your question. All right. We're going to get on to our second question here, by the way, everybody who writes in except for Chad, because if Chad, Chad would have like 50 stickers, because he writes <laughs> Shout out to Chad. Shout out to Chad, because he's a great, great listener, and he's always got good questions, so we appreciate him. Um, and uh, a lot of you didn't want to write in, I think, because you were too mad, and you would have thrown your computer through a glass window. But uh, we're going to get on to that, but thank you, Chad, for the question again. This one comes to us from Daniel Solace. Daniel, where did he go? Oh, here he is. Uh, he had to send me, and he is in Upland, California, so he is a Cal Raider fan. He says... Hey, um, I was having a back and forth with my buddy after we went to 0-3. He was blaming Carr McDaniels for the losses. I was in the mindset that the players are not executing. When you look at two drop passes in the end zone by Waller, might have cost us the game, along with penalties and a great play, the penalties on Barr, and, of course, the huge pass to Hollins he's talking about. And he says, here's my two questions. One, is McDaniels to blame for the players not executing or is it the players themselves? If it's McDaniels, what can be done to get the players to execute properly as we are with Waller's drop pass, Renfro's fumble, and so on? So let's take that first part of the question because there's a second part. Mo, this is a great question because at the end of the day, you can go back and forth on it and, and have great arguments on both sides. A player is responsible for their play, but at the same time, just like if you're the head of your company, 
You're the manager of a McDonald's. You're the manager of a grocery store. At the end of the day, it's all your responsibility, right? So he owns it at the at, at the top. But at the same time, there are players who are not focusing and they can have some relation, can't they? Right. The, to me, it falls on the coaches when you don't have the right game plan to attack your opponent. So let's go back to week two against the Arizona Cardinals. To me, that's on Josh McDaniels because there were points in the second half where he should have ran the ball a lot more. That drive where it lasted 24 seconds and they threw three consecutive times. Unless Carr is changing the plays at the line of scrimmage, that's on Josh McDaniels. Call a run play, bleed the clock a little bit. Now, when Derek Carr drew those picks against the Chargers, that's on the player. When Darren Waller didn't come down with those catches in the end zone, that's on the player in execution. On Sunday, when the Raiders played the Denver Broncos, did you see how Derek Carr was upset about something on one stall drive and had to kick a field goal? It seemed like he was upset because someone either didn't run the route correctly or wasn't in the right spot. There was a situation on another stall drive in the red zone where Derek Carr threw it, I believe, to the outside and and uh, Devontae Adams went inside. So those are miscommunications between players. You can't blame the coaches for that because Josh McDaniels can't run the route for these players. <laughs> he can't throw the ball for Derek Carr. So or that's hold on not to on the him. ball. Right. It's it's on the players to execute. So it's a it's this is not the the greatest answer. The answer that's gonna win points at the water cooler, at the wine cooler, at the beer, at the beer <laughs> drinking contest, whatever. But it's a little bit of both. The players have to execute. Got You got to have your hands on the ball. Got to got to hold in those touchdown passes. Got to throw the ball. Got to have good ball placement. But the coaches have to put the players in position to succeed. And you have to run those plays successively to make sure the players actually get it and they execute it properly at practice. Because as Derek Carr <laughs> said last week after the loss to the Titans, if you don't run it well at practice, you're probably not going to execute it well during the game. Exactly. And so the answer to the question, I, as I read you, Mo, is both. I mean... But yes, you have to do it. So, so I think in some ways, uh, Daniel, uh, you and your friend are both correct. So yes. you could just shake hands, <laughs> share a Modelo, and, yes. and call it a day. Now, second part of, of Daniel's question, uh, and this is a really interesting one. It mentions a good friend of ours, too. It says, relating to the questions above, Q, your boy Q over at Raider Nation Radio, our good buddy, uh, had an interview with Ryan Clark. And Clark stated that the Raiders training camp was uptight and not fun. Could there be a culture change that has these players um, not executing on the field? Love to hear the combo you and Mo have each week on the show. Thanks. And just win maybe. Not just win baby, just win maybe. Ouch. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. Again, from Upland, California. Um, so, Mo, I'm going to jump in on this one, too, to start out with, which is, so if you look at the training camp, it was no fun. Um if you know where Josh McDaniels came from, if you know that now, of course, he is not Bill Belichick by any stretch of the imagination, but he came out of that environment. Bill Belichick wants ultimate commitment from his players. It's about committing. It's about a sense of urgency all the time. It's about a focus. It's about getting business done. And if you want to play for him, that's what you give up. It's not fun. It's about working hard and winning trophies. So Josh McDaniels, I think, brought that in. And I think, was it an issue for this team in camp? I think perhaps it could have been because they had a resort-style attitude with John Gruden. That's everything I was told, everything I was seen. You saw how many times they broke COVID protocol and all those types of penalties that this team endured. Um, 
And it was indicative of that environment. So, so when you go from one culture to the other, I think it could have had some impact. It was a shock to the system. And still, maybe these players are trying to get used to that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're right about that, but it also what it also does, it, it could weed out people who don't fit the culture that they want there. So if you have players who aren't responding to the business's usual type of culture they're trying to bring in, then they won't be there. But I want to ask a question to anyone listening to this podcast, and even you, Scott. When you go to work, are you expecting to get work done or are you expecting to have fun? Now, ideally, <laughs> ideally, you want to have fun at work, but you don't go to work thinking, yeah, I want to go to work and have fun. No, it's yeah. about production, right? So, production. of course, it's uh, maybe uptight is the word you want to cling to that Ryan Clark said, and you don't want a, a uptight workplace. You want people to not be loosey-goosey, but you want them to be in a relaxed environment where they can produce. Certain people certain p- people respond to different environments, right? So some people need that. Some people need an uptight culture because they're a bit loosey, and if you're not on them, they're going to be lax. Some people don't need an uptight environment, and they're just internally motivated. So they don't need that you know, business as usual because they're always business as usual anyway. But when you go into work, to me, you have to expect to work and nothing else. Now, if it's fun, great. But if it's not, oh, well, you're there to work anyway and not to have fun. Yeah, exactly. And that's the point. Do you want to win a trophy or do you want to hang out and have fun? I mean, that's the bottom line. And you're right. I think your analogy, Mo, about putting it into perspective with our own jobs, right, which is, hey, if you could go to work and every day now, I agree with you. If you can do both, great. That doesn't happen all the time. But if you go to work and you know that if you bust your hump, and it's not as much fun, it's a little uptight, but at the end of the month or the end of the quarter or the end of the week, there's a great reward for doing that and having that focus as a team and you guys come together, then it's worth it, correct? So I think the value, it depends on what the value at the end of the rainbow is. And if the Mm -hmm. value in this case is a championship and a bigger contract, by the way, if you play well and you're one of those guys, then suddenly... It's worth it. Okay, so yeah, guess what? It's going to be a pain in the ass. It's going to be ball-busting weeks. Uh, and listen, no training camps are ball-busting weeks anymore like they used to be. Let's face it. Uh, but if it's going to be a little less fun than it was under John Gruden, so be it. As long as I get to put that ring on and hoist that trophy, I don't really care. So great, great points there. All right, we're going to take our first break here on the Mailbag Show. Thank you so much uh, to uh, Daniel for from Upland, Daniel Salas, for sending that in. When we get back, we're going to talk about... Broncos fans at Allegiant Stadium, a question we got on that. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Silver and Black today, a Raiders podcast here on Odyssey, an Odyssey original podcast. Mo and Scott will be back right after this.